Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Wake up! The Early Line. Line up! All right, welcome in here. It is now a, wow, Tuesday, Super Tuesday to some here on this March 3rd, 2020. I cannot believe it. It's just mind-blowing here that we have uh, we have just, we've just gone through two months of a new year here, and we are getting ready for the madness that, uh, that comes with March. Uh, also, the ability to be able to bet on uh, a uh, politics on a Super Tuesday is always fun. And we've got the latest lines for that, so we'll tell you there if you are so inclined, if you are of the degenerate nature, that uh, you will bet and maybe the 40-some-odd college games tonight are not enough for you. Maybe the eight NBA games, 10 NHL games, maybe you're like, you know what? I need a little Bernie Sanders. I need a little politics in my life. And there is no better way to talk about politics than by betting on it. So we'll give you the uh, the lines here. We'll do that coming up because we're just that kind of degenerate show here on the grid. As uh, Jared Smith joins us, we will get you caught up with everything that happened. It was a light card in hmm. uh, in college hoops last night, but there were two obviously top twenty five uh, games that were going on, uh, and they were they were exciting. One goes to overtime. The other was a second half where if one team could just play like that for both halves. Uh, nobody would beat them, but that's uh, that's what's the beauty of college hoops. And of course, the NBA. There were a few upsets last night, including the New York Knickerbockers. The New York Knicks continue their domination over James Harden, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> and company. I, you know, we laughed. Two and ATS this year. I, you know, congratulations, New York Knicks. R.J. Barrett and company. Uh, yes, they pulled out. Huge upset wins there. Got to get your thoughts, too, Jared, when we uh, come back on this. uh, We're getting more information about the deal Tony Romo signed, by the way, with CBS. Oh, goodness gracious. And uh, we also come to find out that he wasn't their first choice, that they actually offered somebody else the gig in case they couldn't afford him. So the numbers are starting to roll out, and... um, yeah, I I don't know that he's worth this. I just don't. But we'll get you. You are the network guy. We'll go ahead and get you. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on that contract and why they didn't call you. But first, bring in Dan Strafford to get you caught up with all the headlines from overnight here on The Grid. Welcome into the early line. Well, guys, we take a look at the NBA, where the Rockets headed to Madison Square Garden with the six-game winning streak and fell to the New York Knickerbockers. Yes, that's right. The Knicks take down the Houston Rockets with a 125-123 to win. James Harden did have 35 points. He did shoot 3 of 13 from three-point range, 8 of 22 from the field overall, and the Knicks take down the Rockets. C.J. McCollum with a big game in a blowout win over the Orlando Magic. 
130 to 107, 41 points, five rebounds, five assists, and a steal for McCollum. Nikola Vucevic in the other side of that game, 30 points, 11 boards, two assists, and a steal. And Bojan Bogdanovic helped lead the Utah Jazz along with Rudy Gobert. Bogdanovic had 28 points, seven rebounds, six assists, and a steal for a 10 of 19 from the field, 126 to 113 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Rudy Gobert, 20 points, nine boards, and assists, two steals, and five blocks. Colin Sexton at 32 points for the Cavaliers in that loss. Anthony Davis is currently listed as questionable for tonight's game for the Lakers with a sore knee. We'll have to keep track of that throughout the day on Tuesday. In baseball, Cody Bellinger was scratched from Monday's Cactus League lineup due to side discomfort. This seems to be an abundance of caution from the LA Dodgers. According to Mike Puma and Kevin Davidoff of the New York Post, the Yankees have contacted the Mets regarding a possible trade for Steven Matz. The report notes that the Mets are listening with Miguel and Duhar as a player of interest. And in the NFL, ESPN's Jenna Lame reports the Cowboys are expected to franchise tag Dak Prescott. The window for a long-term deal to get done is closing rapidly as the franchise tag window closes on March 10th. I'm Dan Strapper, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Dan, thank you very much as we get ready here. Super Tuesday. It's going to be a great night. Uh, 43 college basketball games, 8 NBA games, 10 NHL games. And then there's Tony Romo. Oh, I'm trying to digest these numbers here, uh, Jared, and I'm hoping that you can uh, explain to me where or why they figure that this was a good deal here, CBS. I don't know who's representing Romo, but can you get him on the horn? Because the dude just signed a deal worth $18 million a year for 10 years to Wild. call football games. Wild. It's more than some players, most players make. More. Than, I mean, if I'm Dak Prescott right now. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I'm actually on the field. I can't do it. And the, the Risking my all, life. ESPN wanted to offer him the Monday night gig, and they didn't have, they, they didn't get a chance because CBS wraps him up. But they actually wanted Peyton, they offered Peyton Manning the deal first, and Peyton turned it down. So what a consolation prize for Tony Romo, huh? Like, they wanted Peyton. And then when Peyton was like, I'm going to own I'm a good. team. Like, I'm not I'm not doing this all, you know, in the, it's a nice. They're also apparently giving him, like, you know, a million dollars a year worth of, he can golf anywhere he wants. Like, there's so many perks in this deal. It's honestly a better deal than any deal he got playing in the NFL. It makes me sick to my stomach, Joe. It makes me sick to my stomach that this guy... And and listen, I, I don't wish ill will on people. I don't like to hate. Right. I'm not one of those, you know, shout from the mountaintops because you got something that I didn't get. Right. But we live in a society now where the players on the field are making less than the announcers in the booth. Yep. And right. not only less than the announcers in the booth, I I'd like to think that Troy Aikman has earned his spot as the number one or at least one of the best. Yep. color commentators in the business. Yep. This deal makes Aikman's deal look like it was <laughs> Aikman's making 10 million less a year. Yep. That's correct. And Tony Romo. Yep. And Romo's exactly. been doing it for like one tenth of the amount of time. I mean, I just, and, and listen, I get it. Romo's younger. He's cooler. The ladies like to watch. I, I get it. He's Rico right. Suave in the booth. 
Right. But man, oh man, you have got this is a tough sell for a network that is going through some interesting changes with their college football programming right now, with right. a lot of their NCAA basketball programming. We've seen CBS really take a back seat to some of these other networks in the CBS. You know, we've seen TNT, TBS, even True TV capture yep. so, you know and and it's all it's all conglomerated together now into this big massive mix of sports programming and mm -hmm. somehow some way it's Tony Romo that's the face of all of this after Amazing. what we saw in his career I just I, I I'm at a loss I, I'm at an absolute loss I was nauseous when I saw the numbers because I knew we knew he was going to sign but we were thinking ah he may like him you know, a couple of years, three years, because he really wants to play golf. He wants to try to make it on the scene. He wants to do all of these things. And they offered him $180 million. They made him an and offer he can't refuse. Wow. I mean, I, I mean at, at, you know, at, at what point do you just say, it doesn't matter what I want to do with my life. These people who just offered me $180 million. Like, who, who the hell is tuning into a football game and going, I can't wait to hear what Tony Romo calls this game. I can't wait to hear what? Like, who even watches it with the sound on anymore? Seriously. You know what it shows? It just shows how much our society is reliant on these types of names. Because I, I, I don't see why CBS would value him at that price. Like, I want to get inside the I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room. Right. I, 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 don't, know who's, I don't know who's negotiating these deals. Right, but What's I want to hear. Multiple there you're using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I, 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 I want to hear CBS's reason first. For like, 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 what's the upside here? Like, what, like, is it just to keep him away from ESPN? From ESPN? Like, is that is the only that reason why? I'm, I'm at a loss. Are? I mean, I don't get it. I mean, how many people here? How many of you watching right now? Go, you know what, Tony Romo, I tune in the games. Whether I like the teams or not, I'm tuning into the games because Tony Romo's calling. Well, that's what I've I'm saying, yeah. Like, you know, are you like, no, I'm not going to watch CBS this week. I'm not oh, going to no, watch no, the game know. of the week between yeah, no, the Chiefs and the 49ers on, at 415 on Sunday because can't Romo's not calling the game. Sorry, guys, I'm not going to watch. I'm good. And by the way, if that was the consensus – Paid a man $180 million, I get it. I get it. I don't. I don't get this. I don't I get it. it. And ESPN was going to offer him probably even above that, but never got the chance. And stop thinking Peyton Manning's going in the booth, people. Peyton Manning's not going in the booth. Peyton Manning is going to own, as sure as I am sitting here, he is going to own. He's going to be part owner of some team. Peyton Manning is not a, GM, a guy. I think. Yeah, he is not a guy that takes instruction or has no. to answer to anybody. He is a guy that everybody answers to. Yeah, he is before it is all said and done. He'll be back in the NFL, only I think it'll be from an ownership role. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I, like, Romo's just got this, like, you know, chintzy little demeanor about him. And I get why people like him. And I would understand why ESPN would want to pitch this because yes, Monday Night Monday Football night needs a makeover. CBS football, you are watching that game at 425 on Sunday. It doesn't matter if they put Oprah in the booth. You're watching that game. <laughs> like you, you it so doesn't true. it does not yeah. matter. That's the game of yeah. the week. And it's at four o'clock on Sundays, and it's the best game every week. It's Packers Cowboys. It's it's Chiefs, whoever. I mean, you know, you're it. watching that game every week, no matter what. Absolutely correct. Mind blowing.
And trust us when we tell you from uh, from guys that uh, that have been around the uh, the game for a while that it's just it's so astronomical. It's just very hard, very hard to wrap our heads around the fact that uh, that you just gave this man one hundred and eighty million dollars to play golf. Eight months a year, basically. Uh, uh, He works one day a week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll dive into the game. We got to grind our way through wins. We'll do that. We'll recap everything we saw last night. Coming up next here on (laughs) SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in. It is the early line on the grid, sportsgrid.com. I'm Joe and Ari alongside Jared Smith as we uh, take a look at the overnight world of the NBA and college hoops. Big night in the NBA last night. Uh, Interesting games. Wasn't a big card. Uh, Seven games on total. The dogs, though, uh, Mm. were barking last night. Five and two straight up and against the number. And you had upsets by, uh, of course, the Portland Trail Blazers were getting six and a half uh, at uh, they were plus 215 at the Magic. You had the Memphis Grizzlies uh, getting two and a half on uh, on the road at the uh, at the Hawks, who for some reason were a favorite in that game, plus 115 on a money line. Uh, The Miami Heat got well in a heartbeat over there. They were getting five plus 175 on a money line last night, guys, in the AAA taking on the Greek freak who. Uh, to this, that had the worst game and the lowest output uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have had all season uh, mm. is what the Miami Heat did uh, last night to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Bulls getting seven plus 240 versus the Mavs. They pull it out. And, of course, uh, the Jazz uh, laying ten and a half and the Pacers laying two and a half was the only chalk to cover last night. But over is altogether Four and three. And then, of course, the New York Knickerbockers getting 10 plus 450 on the money line. And maybe great news for Nick fans because they do this every now and then. Right. They give Nick fans a little something to be cheery about. They give Nick fans uh, a little hope. And it was good to see R.J. Barrett light them off the Houston Rockets for 27 points last night. And they really did. The small ball lineup did not work against the New York Knicks. That was obvious. They could not rebound. They had no answers in the paint. And that is the flip side. I know a lot of people have been going crazy, Jared, since the All-Star break with Houston, the small ball. It's great if they're going to shoot 40%. If they don't, it's going to be a nightmare. And it's going to be they're either going to win by 20 or they're going to lose by 20. They made a furious comeback in the second half. But really, this game was won in the first half by the Knicks, and it was won in the paint by the Knicks all night long. Just no answers. Uh, 65 rebounds compared to it's 34. That's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. That's about as big of a rebounding differential as you'll see in any NBA game at any point in any – I mean, 30 rebounds is a lot, and a big reason for that is they missed a ton of shots, and that you know helps for sure. And, and the Rockets only shot 35% from three last night, where if they probably shoot 40%, they probably win the game. Because right. the Knicks did one of those patented Knicks things where they just, you know, in the last five minutes of the game, they just decided to stop playing 
I'm happy for Leon Rose. He was in the house mm-hmm. last night. You know who I'm not happy for is Spike Lee. I don't know if you heard about that, Joe. No. But what apparently happened? Spike Lee walked through the wrong entrance to his seat that he's been going to for 20 years, 30 years, oh. and they almost kicked him out of the arena. Oh. It was like a, a security incident a la Charles Oakley with Spike Lee last night. Eventually, cooler heads prevailed, and he was able to go to his seat. But if Spike Lee walks through the wrong entrance and he goes through gate A instead of gate B, let's just let Spike go to his seat, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Like, it's Spike Lee. Like, you don't have to check his ticket. I mean, the guy's been sitting in the same seat for 30 years. So, it's just, just, chalk it up to another one of those weird things where you're like, you know, you scratch your head, and it it takes me back to what we're seeing uh, next week, or I think in two weeks. Mm -hmm. The pettiness from the Knicks in these situations, they're having a 50-year anniversary, and they're not inviting Marv Albert back to it for the uh, 96-69-70 team. And, like, Obviously, I'm happy for the Knicks. I'm happy for Leon Rose. I, I, you know, for some reason, they own the Rockets. But can we get over some of this, like, pettiness with, like, some yes. of these former players? This yep. is a franchise that has so much pride, and they've been ripped to shreds over the last two decades. I, I, and I'm a fan. I'm as diehard of a Knicks fan as, as you can get. I grew up down where you are in South Florida as a Knicks fan in the 90s when the Heat and the Knicks were going at each other sure. toe-to-toe every year. And I, I lost, I've lost my edge, Joe. I don't have that mm-hmm. same pride I used to have for this team. You're kicking Spike out. You're kicking Oakley out. Marv Albert's not invited to the 50th anniversary. Hopefully, Leon Rose brings an era of change to this franchise, and the Knicks can be relevant again. Hopefully, his ability to attract big-name free agents, some of the guys that he is an agent for, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, maybe those are guys uh, who are candidates to come to New York and, and, and save this franchise. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just a uh, it, it continues to be laughable how the organization is run. Every time we think they take two steps forward, they continue to take three steps back, and that's just been the Dolan way for years. I mean, uh, whether it's Spike Lee or whether it's Oakley or or whether it's you know free agents that all look and and are the same size, and you know how many wings are you going to have on a team? You go down the list of everything that this team has done over the last 20 years since they've been relevant, and Spike Lee's still paying for his tickets. So, like, I don't (laughs) understand. Anybody that continues and remains a season ticket holder of the Knicks and has done so for any period of time, uh, they should be treated like gold is what they should. Especially Spike Lee. The guy's been the biggest advocate of the team for years. They've Good got times to and bad. go to the commissioner and you got to say, hey, listen, can we schedule a couple of extra games against Houston next year? <laughs> because for can we get a couple reason, extra ping pong balls? They own, Well, I mean, it's not hard <laughs> to figure out. New York had a 64-36 edge in, in paint, uh, yeah. uh, points in the paint. So when you dominate in the paint like that, and that's going to be the problem when James Harden is three for 13 on three pointers, uh, eight of 22 overall. That's you're going to live and die by whether James Harden can hit 40%. That's basically what you've got. Even Russell Westbrook had a shot to make as time expired, and he didn't. What a shock. Russell Westbrook doesn't make a shot that actually matters. Right, Nilakina uh, played pretty good defense on that play, actually. I got to give him credit. Yes, absolutely. But again, you're Russell friggin' Westbrook. Yeah. So, and we've been watching that for years now when we, for some reason, it's always a game six or a game seven. And you're taking 40 shots, and nobody really knows why. But uh, big win for the Knicks. Good to see R.J. Barrett get in the groove of things. Been a uh, obviously an up and down first season for him with the Knicks. But if that if we can get that, if that was a 
signal of what is to come with R.J. Barrett, yeah, he's going to be yeah. just fine. I'm just glad uh, he knew but, what hand he was shooting with last night. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Well, you might have to work on that. Uh, we we you know we had talked yesterday about Miami and yeah, Milwaukee, and we said, listen, Pat Riley went out. Everything Pat Riley did at the trading deadline was meant and geared to stopping the Greek freak. That was it. That was everything was built with Crowder coming in, uh, with you know having that roster built with Bam and even Ole holding on to Olenek. What the Miami Heat did last night to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks was eye-opening, guys, from a lot of different perspectives. Now, they've beaten Milwaukee already twice, once in their building, now once in Miami. I mean, they've, they've done a really good job against him. And you could see it last night with the, the bench, with Dragic, with, uh, with Olenek, with Crowder. These guys were shooting bombs. They shot really well, but the defense, the way they... Man, they made it about anybody else. I dare you to, Greg. I dare you to go ahead and shoot the ball. They were on him like a glove. They really, really were. Great defense. And if my if that Miami team finds their groove before the playoffs go, it's going to be very interesting because they're built to be a giant pain in the ass for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's actually, I I actually don't think they're equipped to beat any other team in the East except Milwaukee. It, it, it's amazing. It, it, right? it is. It's like I, I just amazing. think the matchups are really bad for Boston and Toronto mm -hmm. because those teams are really deep too. And when we yeah. talked about yesterday, we talked about this on Pharrell's show last night. I, I don't know what it is about Milwaukee's role players, but I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. So. Mm. Giannis is obviously Giannis, but you're telling me that if a team like Miami can shut down Giannis, which they did last night, 6 of 18 from the floor, 13 points. That is getting shut down. The guy's averaging 30 every game. Yep. So these are the players now that are going to be tasked with winning a seven-game series against the Boston, Miami, Toronto, the three best teams in the East besides Milwaukee. Brooke Lopez, Wesley Matthews, Marvin Williams, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and then Bledsoe and Middleton. Yep. If it's not Bledsoe and Middleton, I don't know where it's coming from. And I, I've been saying this for weeks, and I'll continue to say it. The Bucs are the most overpriced team in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how they are minus money on March 3rd. We will not know the answer to this question for two months. On mm -hmm. March 3rd. They are laying 65 cents of juice to bet them to win the East. Yep. I, I don't understand it. And I get it that they've been blowing through teams this year. But the NBA playoffs is not November and December against Charlotte and, and, and you know, Atlanta and, and, you know, Indiana and these teams that are clearly not equipped to win games. Miami right. has gone into Milwaukee and won. They shut them down last night. We've seen the Sixers run up and down the floor against the Bucs. I've seen the Celtics bang with Milwaukee. We saw Toronto mm -hmm. bang with Milwaukee. There was no point in any of these games where I'm like, man, oh, man, the Bucs are just going to run through this entire Eastern Conference playoffs with no resistance, yep. like a hot knife through butter. And yep. Miami showed you the blueprint last night. Collapse on Giannis and make threes. The Sixers did it on Christmas Day. Run yep. up and down the floor and make threes. Yep. Now, it's hard to do that over a seven-game series, but somebody's going to get hot, and I don't trust the other guys from Milwaukee to get it done. I, I'm with you. And that's always going to be the problem uh, as far as I'm concerned with them is that they are built for the regular season. I do not buy that they are built for the playoffs. It's two different things. I, I think Miami is very well equipped to be able to do their kryptonite, to be absolutely 
up. They, they are going to force you, and other teams, unfortunately, don't have the personnel at a depth like Miami does, but they're going to force you to, to make one of those other guys beat them. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you got to hope. I mean, the difference in three-point shots, I think Miami made 18, and uh, uh, Milwaukee only made uh, a handful of shots last night from three-point range. So they really were fine-tuned, both the first and the second line. 89 points you held. You know, that's the flip side of the Milwaukee Bucks. When you play them the right way, that's what you get. They're an 89, 90-point team if Giannis isn't doing, you know, if Giannis is uncontrolled. You control him, you control the Milwaukee Bucks. It's that simple, guys. Riley knows it. The rest of the East knows it. It'll be interesting to see if anybody else but Miami can get it done. We'll take a look at those, uh, those college games from last night. We'll do that next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, so we got conference uh, tournament time coming up here uh, tonight. You've got uh, four of the mid-major conferences uh, will be in action, including the Atlantic Sun, the Big South, the Horizon League, and the Patriot League, all getting ready uh, to start today. You do have, of course, the Mountain West, uh, the Northeast, the Ohio Valley tomorrow, Thursday, the Mo Valley and West Coast, and then, of course, Friday, uh, the Southern Conference uh, gets going. So a lot of mid-major uh, action coming your way uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Certainly tonight's going to be a lot of fun with those groups. We'll talk about some of those games, take a look at some of the uh, the future value, uh, values because, again, in these mid-major conferences, a lot of them are champion advances. So mm-hmm. it, that's it. it. It's one bid, so uh, it's do or die here. So I do think there is some value on the board. We'll talk about that. Uh, but last night, don't forget, uh, we had Baylor-Texas Tech uh, for the late game. And that turned out to be uh, a pretty, pretty game much what night. we thought it would be. It, it really was. It was a slog of a game. Two very good defensive teams who get at it. And it was tough. Points were a premium last night. We had a feeling that was going to happen. It bounced back the line between 129 and a half, 130 all day, going back and forth. I think it closed somewhere around uh, 130, which would have been fine if uh, if it ended in regulation. But then, of course, it did go into a little extra basketball there as they were tied 60-60 at the end of regulation. 71-68 in overtime was the final score as Baylor handles their business. They had lost two out of three. So listen, Texas Tech is not playing around. They, too, are just coming off a loss against Texas that was not good. So Texas Tech, you knew it was going to bring it last night. And it was a close game. It was 30-30 at half. So... There was there was plenty of uh, plenty on the line for these two teams last night, Jared. And when it was all said and done, the home team got the better of Texas Tech. But I do think both of these teams heading into the Big 12 tournament next week, uh, they present a challenge to uh, to just about everyone else, including Kansas. So Texas Tech has these two freshman guards, and they play like bigs because they're like six four, six five. Kevin McCuller and Jamius Ramsey. And these kids, 
alongside Moretti, who we remember last year from the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament who had that great run with Texas Tech. Obviously, they lost in the championship game uh, in overtime to Virginia. You can't get much closer to winning the title than that. But they looked not like freshmen last night. And I think it was – I think McCuller went didn't miss a shot, went 4-4 four four from the field, 1-1 one one from three. Uh, Ramsey had 13 points. He had three triples. And, I, you know, Baylor's a, Baylor obviously is an elite team. I think they're a Sweet 16, Elite 8, maybe even a Final Four caliber team. I don't think they're national title good because their offense isn't efficient enough. But Texas Tech, they were supposed to be so down this year because they lost Culver. They lost all – you know, they, they lost a big part of their lineup. Right. And what Texas Tech showed me last night is they can play with anybody in the country. And it doesn't get any easier for them this week. They'll welcome uh, Kansas – uh, into Lubbock this weekend for their last game of the regular season. And it doesn't matter if they lose that game. Their 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 seeding will not change. Right. Uh, it, and, and if they win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament and, and try to get a little momentum back, they could be a team that's an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting play on in the tournament, uh, depending on how the bracket shakes out. I think they'll struggle against teams that can run up and down. Baylor's not one of those teams. So mm-hmm. if they face a Creighton in the first round, you know, they might struggle a little bit with, the, with, that, with that kind of offense. Because uh, I don't know if they'll be able to keep up. But, I, I, you know, Baylor didn't do anything last night to kind of, you know, establish themselves any further as an elite team. I think we know what Baylor is. What surprised me the most last night with te- was, was Texas Tech's development and a team that I wasn't really thinking about uh, in the NCAA tournament uh, could be a team that I give a little bit more thought to when I uh, dive into the brackets next week or in two weeks. I was uh, amazed because this was a game, guys, that the line, uh, Baylor was a seven-point favorite here. You're talking about Mm -hmm. a Texas Tech team that was a seven-point road dog in this matchup. The total was, uh, you know, again, under would have been good if it went into regulation. Uh, But boy, oh boy, the the problem with teams like Baylor, uh, I think, moving forward, and a lot of these, you know, top, uh, top 10, top 12 teams, man, there is... The value on them in the marketplace has just been absolutely mm. much like the Milwaukee Bucks in, uh, of course, in uh, in the NBA. You start looking at teams like Baylor and going in that game last night. It, it it didn't make any sense because you had both teams kind of real a little bit. Two teams that are very defensive minded, a low total and Texas Tech seven points. So it seemed a little out of whack last night. I do think it's going to be interesting come tournament time to see what the market does. We know Duke is always, always going to be overvalued in in the marketplace. Last night against a a team that beat them bad, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they had uh, an opportunity to exact some revenge. And this game goes into half where NC State is doing their part, man. NC State is not messing around. They are uh, causing all sorts of problems for Duke. 38-36, Duke goes into the half. Uh, only ahead by two, North Carolina State feeling good on the road. And then, yeah, then Duke happened in the second half and they shot 63%. Uh, and they, uh, the big guys uh, kind of took over, certainly in the paint and the boards. It was a dominating second half, which was a, you know, a, turns out it was a dominating win on the final scoreboard. But that was only a half that they dominated because they, they got, uh, they were flustered in the first half and that, continues to be a problem for this Duke team uh, as we head into the ACC tournament. It's a down year, guys, but Duke is not the Duke of old, and yet the market continues to reflect like it is. Yeah, I, I don't know what the first half was. The first half was one of the most uh, disappointing and ugly performances I've ever seen 
from a Duke team. I think they turned it Oof. over eight times. I think they missed their first seven shots. They started mm. one of 12 from the field. And I had Duke first half. I had Duke full game. I had the over. So I went two and one. Uh, but I'm still sour about the first half because we always mm-hmm. remember the losses more than the wins. And when I watched Duke play, I didn't watch them in the second half because I was so disgusted with them in the first half. I was like, if they cover, right. great. But I, I, I want nothing to do with this team. Um, I, I, was, I was shocked at the inefficiencies because NC State was not... The, the, if, if Duke played 40 minutes last night, they win that game by 50. Easily. Right. Like... NC State was not ready for that game. They had they they knew they were like, all right, you know, we're we're gonna lose this game. You know, we had our fun in Raleigh a couple weeks ago. This is not our night, and and Duke just didn't want to take it for twenty minutes. They were just like, eh, we're just gonna give it the ball back to you. Like yep. I, that was a very inefficient twenty minutes for Duke. And we talked about this pre-show, and I'll say it again: Duke is the Maryland of the ACC, and it's ironic because they both were in the same conference and they both were rivals for so many years. Maryland on any given night. Can, can win a half by 30, can lose a half by 30. Yep. And, and Duke just doesn't have that consistency. And a big reason why is they just don't have the star power uh, that they've had in years past. I mean, they had three top 10 picks last year on their team, and they still couldn't win the national title. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see them going far this year without those guys. This is a Duke team that is a shell of its former self when it comes to the talent level that we're used to seeing in Durham. And Coach K is doing an admirable job with Les. I think Trey Jones is a good player. I think Cassius Stanley, is the freshman, is going to be really good. And, you know, Vernon Carey's solid too. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put him amongst the big Duke big men of all time, like the Boozers and the, even right. the Wendell Carters of last year. And, of course, the Zion Williamsons. You can't even put them in the, in the same league as that. Duke is a struggling team, and I would be shocked to see Duke go past the Sweet 16 this year. Yeah, it's, uh, I like the change that they made there with about four yeah, they minutes went left zone. to go. They go zone yeah. and then North. Why wasn't Carolina that under failed. sixteen though, Joe? Like, yeah, like well, you know, I, like what, why at halftime and not the first yeah. time out? I don't get that. Yep. And then they only—I mean—they held them to one basket after they switched to the zone. So they did, and then they just kept giving the ball back. And uh, you know, they had an opportunity. They stopped North Carolina State on the boards. North Carolina State had twenty-five second chance points in the first half alone. Uh, they switched the zone, and it became a completely different game. And then, of course, out in the second half was uh, was all Duke all day. So congratulations, Duke uh, gets the win. Uh, Duke, uh, it looks like, uh, you know, is, is now righted the ship a little bit. They covered as a 12 and a half point favorite at home, uh, 88 to 69. Uh, the over was definitely the play in that game as uh, as the over hit. It was started out at one on this show yesterday. It was 151 and a half, I yeah, think. We gave that one it, out yesterday. We said that yeah, over is going to steam up and it did and it still hit. Over. And it still hit. Exactly correct. Because, you know, the public loves themselves some overs, and there wasn't a yeah, lot of Square other games. City, Duke in the over last yeah. night. <laughs> Not so much tonight, though. There's going to be plenty of uh, opportunities to get, uh, get going here tonight. A lot of top 25 action. Uh, we've got number 20, Penn State, taking on Michigan State. We got Maryland taking on Rutgers. Uh, number 18, Iowa taking on uh, Purdue. And then, of course, uh, number six, Kentucky taking on Tennessee. So there are some top 25 games in addition to the, you know, the Horizon Leagues, the conference tournaments for the mid-majors, and a lot at stake here, a lot of bubble teams still trying to figure it out, trying to give themselves an opportunity here to be able to make a, uh, a push 
You get teams like South Carolina, teams like Mississippi State here tonight are going to be in. Uh, there is a lot of fun on this card here tonight. And the numbers, some of these games are a little interesting, to say the least. We're going to dive into some of these matchups. Plus, we got some NBA games uh, tonight on the card that also, I think, are going to be very, very interesting. Eight in, uh, eight in all here tonight. Uh, it's This is a fun time of year. I mean, any which way you cut it, we got 10 tournaments tipping off by Friday uh, in the mid-majors. We've got that final push in all the big conferences. And then, like you see, you're starting to see teams like, you know, Memphis last night in the uh, – we all kind of stuck a fork in them. They went on this five-game losing streak, and all of a sudden Memphis couldn't play with anybody. Yeah, but when you look at they were four of the five losses were on the road, and they're losing to Houston, the Lakers, the Clippers. They weren't losing to Cleveland and the Knicks. They were losing to the upper echelon team. So they seem to have righted the ship. I think that number eight seed in the West is still up for grabs by uh, by Shore. The Pelicans going at it tonight. We'll have it all for you. We'll run through the games. We'll give you our thoughts. Jared Smith, Joe Ranieri, it is the early line on the grid, sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. It's a super Tuesday, which means uh, you got 14 states uh, today that are going to be uh, going to the polls. And in all 14, there are opportunities to make bets and wagers. How do you like that, Jared? Talk about the generous. <laughs> we'll bet on anything, including primaries that in all likelihood have already been decided one way or the other. Uh, so this should be uh, it's funny because. The U.S. sports books for the longest time wouldn't allow any sort of mm. uh, political betting. You know, there were certain pockets you could, you know, you could go to and uh, and be able. But now it seems to me I'm watching a lot of this uh, this coverage. I'm seeing a lot of on the board percentages, win probability. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing they're, ask, they're begging of, us to beg on the, the bet. I'm just saying there's an awful lot of tie in to uh, to wagering on those types of uh, elections and events here. More so than I think people realize. You have honestly been fed all the probability, the implied probability of, of wins, the percentages, the numbers, what are the odds. I, we've been fed this the entire time. I don't think people realize the tie-in to, to sports betting. I mean, I, I think it's basically they're, they're, they're handing us. Yes. They're handing us. And, and, and I want to look up some of the odds for some of these Super Tuesday uh, events. I, I would say, based on what I'm seeing... If you're not betting Joe Biden today, you're probably yes. not going to make much money. Um, with the exception of the California primary uh, and Colorado, looks like Biden's pretty uh, pretty set in stone as a as a favorite to kind of take back the reins of this election today. 
Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, Sanders obviously in California, yeah, uh, and Colorado and Maine and Massachusetts, and you know, and then all of a sudden Biden starts. So it really is a two part. Unless it you is. think Biden or unless Sanders, unless you guys thinking Warren or Bloomberg or somebody is going to come out of the woodwork and upset, which by the way would be some huge numbers. Uh, in some of these states, if they could actually, it could happen. Out. I mean, you know, we did see Hillary win. I think what was it, fourteen to one? She was well, yeah, exactly. So uh, there's there could be some money to be made here, guys. Fourteen on Super Tuesday. Uh, Take a shot a with one of these guys. You never know. I'm gonna go plus money. I mean, I don't care. It don't make a difference to me. I mean, yeah, I would take plus money in all the states that Biden is plus money. That's what I would do. I, exactly. There you go. Because he's what going, I would they're going to split them. They're going to split them. And if you think Bloomberg or, or Elizabeth Warren's going to be able to pull an upset in one of these states, you can probably get 30, 40, you know, 45, even 50 to one or something mm -hmm. along those lines, uh, depending on the state. So there is some there is some strategy for the true degenerates out there who, uh, you know, it's so funny. People will bet on this, but they won't go to the polls and vote on it. But that's actually the iron. And that's the irony of all of this. And obviously you're a small part of it. But right. unlike a football game that you bet on that you have no like you have no like you know horse in the race like you can't right. decide the outcome at all you can decide <laughs> the outcome of this you can go to the polls and so vote true. for the guy that you bet on oh. and yep. maybe in some crazy world your one vote makes the difference and you like, you know i mean who knows i've seen crazier yep. things i i just love the fact that we've been we have been fed the betting probabilities and the entire time, and I don't think people have put the two and two together, go, they're basically telling you everything we would tell you in a football game. Like, you understand yeah. that, right? Like, that's basically what's going on. Yeah, they're here, handicapping so. the race. I mean, that's what we do with, nah, with, listen, with games. There's a lot of books that are going to make money here today. A lot oh, of books going to be making a lot of money here today. So it's uh, it'll be fun to, uh, to see how it all unfolds tonight. In the meantime, we got 43 college uh, basketball games. Set to go tonight. We do have some top 25 action here, and I love these games here tonight. Um, motivation, obviously huge. We're in the stretch run for the big conferences here, Jarrett. Your boys at Penn State. Huge game. On your boys at Michigan State, which has got to kind of be ironic because I know you've pounded Michigan State, yeah. the future market here over the last week, and now your boys at Penn State, who, again, they've kind of solidified. Who they are, what they are, they already know there's not a lot at stake here. They don't need to win, you know, the uh, the Big Ten there in order to be able to advance. They're going to be in the tournament. They sure. know it. Oh, yeah. So at number 20, Penn State, number 16, Michigan State, are you getting in front of the Michigan State train here? Because the, the market tells us this is going to be close game here. Yeah, the market says it's a close game. We're seeing a lot of money come in on the Spartans. Uh, seventy five percent of the action. We have seen the line move. We have seen the line move, which is a good thing, because to me that tells me that okay, at least the line's moving with the market. But I, I just Penn State's really struggling right now. And the one mm -hmm. thing Penn State really needs to do in order to win games against these good teams is they need to make threes. Not only have they not made threes lately, Michigan State's a top ten three point defense. It, it, it's a bad matchup for Penn State, and I, I think the total's a little high. I wouldn't be surprised if this game stayed under, and and I would say Michigan State in the under would be my plays today. The uh, it's funny too. I mean, they're listen, they're finding themselves. We know that Michigan State, but uh, talk to us about the Penn State home court advantage sure. here. I, I, this is a tough. This is back to back road games now for Michigan State. Um, this is not an easy place to play, from what we understand. No, ten and six ATS at home, fourteen and two overall at home. 
they the the one thing about this arena is it's one of the bigger arenas in college basketball. Mm. And they used to block off the top deck because they couldn't fill it, at least when I went there, because they were so right. bad. And now they're starting to open up the top deck. And when that place is rocking, there's not many arenas that are louder than it. It, it is one of the bigger arenas. I don't want to say it's a top five, but I I, I think it uh, Ken Palm has how big the arena is, uh, Bryce Jordan Center. So it's the 25th largest in D1. Um, wow. When that thing's packed, it's it, it's it's about as loud as any other arena in college basketball gets, and it's been obviously packed this year because they've won 14 out of their 16 home games. Granted, they did lose uh, a really tough home game to Illinois a couple weeks ago, which I think is going to be the deciding factor in Penn State getting that double bye in the Big Ten tournament. They needed to win that game against Illinois, and they didn't. And Illinois, I think, is going to get that double bye. Uh, I think Illinois is going to be the four seed, and Penn State will be the five. And that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow because that double bye puts you all the way to Friday, and you only have to win three games to win the tournament. And that extra game in this Big Ten gauntlet is huge. It's 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 everything. So if Penn State doesn't win tonight, they will likely miss out on that double bye, and that's right. why tonight's game is important for them. And they're going to beat Northwestern on Saturday. I, I'm full faith of that. So they'll finish the season 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten, which is pretty good. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny, too, because they haven't finished a regular season with less than double-digit losses in forever. Yep. But they've got a chance to do that, I believe, on deck after this game tonight. They've already beaten Michigan State, by the way, at the yeah, Preston. Yeah, they, they only won. Sparty owes And one. keep an eye on Myron Jones with Penn State was huge in yes. that first game. And he's been missing. Now he's back for this game tonight. He lit Michigan State up. I yeah, think career the high yeah. six threes. But here's Three the thing, though. He had this weird illness, Joe. Yeah. And I don't know why. Like, we don't even know. As a Penn State fan, we've been cur- I've been curious. And we haven't Nobody heard what, what. No, it's been weird. And he missed, like, two weeks. And he did yeah. not shoot well on Saturday. He was two for nine against Iowa. Granted, that was on the road at Iowa. He Now he's back at home playing his first home game. I, it's funny. I was doing a write-up on this game, and he was the guy that I put in as the key guy. If Myron Jones right. shoots it well, Penn State will probably win. Uh, I, I, I don't have. I mean, it's tough when you've missed that much time, and we don't know what the problem was. If it was a respiratory thing, if it was something right. even deeper than that, which even is even more concerning. Uh, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic, but this is a really tough matchup for Penn State, and Michigan State's playing really well. I yes. would not be surprised if the Spartans uh, came in tonight and took care of business. Definitely think there is uh, some value on the uh, on the under in that game as well. You do have a uh, another Big Ten, of course, top 25 team in Maryland uh, getting ready. They'll be on the road taking on Rutgers uh, at uh, in Piscataway there. And I do believe they met early February. Maryland won 56-51 at home. Mm-hmm. From College Park, they were a seven and a half point dog then, uh, in fact. But now they're in first place in the in the Big Ten. They're thirteen and five. They're just one game ahead of those Michigan State Spartans there, uh, as well as Illinois and Wisconsin, who is coming on. So the Scarlet Knights sitting in the middle of the pack here in the Big Ten at nine and nine. We've seen we've seen them have their troubles on the road, but they have been fantastic at home. So. You, Maryland's got a chance here. Maryland's got a chance to, uh, you know, be uh, a big at least or have a chance or a share of the Big Ten title. Um, well, they could have if they would have beat Michigan State at home, but they didn't. So now they've kind of backed themselves in a corner a little bit. Again, they understand you're the number 19 in the country. 
you're probably, okay, if you don't get the Big Ten title, they have bigger fish to fry here. But this would go a long way. You know, you've got to win now. You lost at home. This would go a long way rolling into the tournament next week if Maryland can put it together and win and beat Rutgers at home here, on the road, rather, tonight. Yeah, this is. I think this is the real test for Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen a Maryland team, and we talked about it during the last segment with Duke, that just doesn't put together 40 minutes. Yeah. And Rutgers is a team that doesn't have the offense to run away with you, but they can, they can lock you down. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated how Jalen Smith does uh, in a hostile environment tonight. I, I, I think Anthony Cowan is, is the straw that stirs this drink, and I think he's going to continue to play well for Maryland, and he has to, or else Maryland's not going to go very far in the tournament. But Jalen Smith is the guy that is kind of the cat is, is, you know, he's the guy that can really push this team to the next level. And we talk about it a lot with Michigan State. They've got Cassius Winston and, and, you know, I wouldn't put Cowan quite on his level, but he's close. But Jalen Smith, if he can play as well as Xavier Tillman's played this year, as Adoka Azabuki's played this year, he's an elite big man. And he can yep. he can really carry a team to the next level because he brings an element that not a lot of teams can defend, which is that elite big man in the paint. And yep. I, I think Rutgers will have some problems with him tonight, but we'll see. We'll see how the rest of this Maryland team, uh, you know, plays on the road in, in what's going to be a really tough environment. This is the big. This is their Big Ten championship for Rutgers. They've played some yes, big teams really at home. Is. Now they yep. get a top ten team, and they get a team. You know, they're the two new kids on the block. Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten are kind of the. Eh, do they belong? Both of them have something to prove tonight. I think. Yeah, it's been a rough stretch for Rutgers, but they are home, and this is huge for them. So, big game, interesting line, too. We'll uh, we'll cover this one, plus the rest of the top 25. We'll do that coming up here as we get ready for Hour 2 on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. It's the early line. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com